Praise God. God is good. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? All right. Amen. We, man, what a beautiful, beautiful day, uh, last few days that we've had. So listen, you, you know, the weather's supposed to turn again soon. So get out, put those uh, walking shoes on, go out with your spouse, friends, whatever, walk, play some ball outside, enjoy uh, what God has given us. Amen. We are jumping in today. We're continuing our sermon series that is titled um, The Nine-Week Challenge. The Nine-Week Challenge. I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. It definitely has been for me. It's been fun to preach, uh, teaching practical things, because we've been talking as a church how to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. And being a disciple of Jesus, meaning a follower of Jesus, is more than just something that we say. It has to be something that we do. Right? We are not to be just hearers of the word, but we are supposed to be doers of the word. And so that's what, you know, we talked about. We spent a few weeks on Discipleship 101. Now we're giving practical steps on um, the disciplines that as disciples of, of, uh, disciples of Jesus Christ, we should have in our lives. What are some dis- uh, disciplines that you have in your regular life? Well, I hope that when you wake up at some point before you leave, you brush your teeth, Right? The the, the dentist tells you, hey, brush your teeth twice or three times a day, right? These are disciplines that we start instilling in ourselves at a very early age, and there's consequences if we don't do that, right? Cavities, root canals, braces, although that doesn't have much to do with brushing your teeth, but you kind of get the point. Not only are the consequences painful, but if you're an adult, or parents, they're expensive uh, as well when we don't follow those disciplines. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are saying these are disciplines that we need to have in our lives, right? We talked about in week one, what? About our identity, right? We, we need to know who it is that we are in Jesus Christ. We talked about what the word of God was. Last week, we did part two of, of, week, of week two, and it was to meditate on God's word. How many here, you don't have to raise your hand, actually took the challenge and meditated on God's word this week, all right? If you did, praise God. If you didn't, you have to put this discipline into work if you are going to be, I'm not going to say successful, but if you're going to be, you know, over, you know, the covering of Jesus Christ, you have to be focused on his word. And so today we're starting, or, or not that, I don't want to get into that yet. Today we're starting our fourth message in this series, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and it's going to be, again, something that when you leave today, you can actually put into practice. As we begin, does anybody here like food? Okay, so if you were falling asleep already in my first three minutes, I see that you woke up, so thank you. Food, who likes food here? Raise your hand. All right. Listen, if you don't like food, then uh, I think the wrong church, but here's what I want you to do. I want to do something different. I want you to find somebody that you did not drive in a vehicle with today, and I want you to just get with them really quickly, really quickly. So we're going to do some exercise. Everybody stand up. And I want you to talk, I want you to go to someone that you didn't come here with. Turn around. If it's a face you, that you didn't drive here with, go to them. And I want you to go on ahead, and I want you to tell them, even if it's a group, it could be a group of you guys, but don't take too long because it, I'll take longer. 
all right? And I'm sure you're going to get hungry after this, but I want you to tell that person what your favorite meal is, and if you can eat anything today, what would it be? Go ahead. What your favorite meal is? I think somebody left to go to a drive-thru pickup right now. <laughs> All right. Let's see it. You guys should be seated again. All right. Let's, let, let's, hear, let's hear some of those things. Where were they? Come on. Shoot them out. Jimmy's. Anybody else? Yuka and Moho. All right. Uh, we're, we're really Hispanic dominated here. <laughs> All right, all right, come on. All right, so now that we're all getting hungry, um, I want you to also realize something. The, 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 the point of this exercise was that how just, just the mention of food, it raised the energy and the connection in us. All right? You know, people start smiling. You start talking about food, you know. People start smiling. You start getting hungry. You start thinking about things. You know, everyone's got, I'm looking at everybody. Everybody has a smile on their face. Uh, no joke. When I came up here, it was like, how long is it going to take today? But the reality is that food connects people. It does. Food connects people. Over food, what happens? We laugh, right? We laugh together. We catch up. We get to know each other. Sometimes, some, some, some of you here today, the relationships that you have with each other is because you met over a cup of coffee. Or maybe you came to a potluck or something like that. You share embarrassing moments. You share your favorite meals like you just did today. We also mourn, right, over meals. Sometimes after a funeral, people get together and you kind of eat. We celebrate. Somebody said this um, from the University of Chicago in an interview. This is what they said. Listen to this. I'm, I'm just going to read it uh, word for word here. She says, I think that food really connects people. Food is about bringing something into the body. And to eat the same food suggests we are both willing to bring the same thing into our bodies. People just feel closer to people who are eating the same food as they do. And then trust, cooperation. These are just consequences of feeling close to someone. Anthony Bourdain, he's no longer with us, but I used to love to watch his show. He would travel to different parts of the world, sit with people from that, from that culture and eat meals. He says this, or he said this in a quote. He says, food may not be the answer to world peace, but it's a start. The amazing opportunities for connection that come from Sharing a meal together is why today's spiritual discipline is vital. Some of you guys are saying, what is this discipline? Because 
I want eggs. Today we're going to be talking about hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality is mentioned throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible. And today, again, we don't have the, the, the verses up, and I don't want you to go all over the place in the Bible. Actually, later on, when I get into the verse that I'm going to focus on, I'll tell you to open it up to that. But if you're taking notes, you could just write down these verses, and then you can go on ahead and look at them later. But in the Old Testament, let's see what the Old Testament has to say about hospitality. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33 and 34, it says this. When a foreigner, everybody say foreigner, resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them. Everybody say love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 9, it says, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. Let's look at what the New Testament says about hospitality. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And the last one, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Everybody say, without grumbling. Hospitality. These are, verse, these are verses that I just got from the word in Old Testament, New Testament. Hospitality, what is it? What is hospitality, Pastor? Typically, when we think of hospitality, we think about, all right, well, you know, being hospitable, having lunch with someone, coffee, snacks. If you're here in the church, maybe going out for a cup of coffee, following the service, having friends over for a meal, watching the game together. These are all good. They're all a slight part of it, but the concept is way deeper than just these ideas that I've just mentioned. I want you to turn your Bibles, the Bibles that you have in front of you, if you're going to use those, you can turn over to page 1123, 1123. I'll tell you, these Bibles have never gotten more work than they have in the last three days. Praise God. They may, maybe he's trying to tell us something. You got the, uh, your app, you know, you're using the Bible up, that's fine as well. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. The page, again, in the Bible in front of you, NIV, that's if you have the, the uh, leather, the brown one, because I know we've got a couple other ones there. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, and let's understand, really, let's get deeper into hospitality, what the Apostle Paul who wrote this, what is it that he's trying to kind of let us know? The first thing that he says as we look at a few details here in Romans chapter 12, the very first verse, verse 9. Love must be what? Sincere. Love must be sincere. This phrase here that we just read right off the bat acts like a heading for the entire paragraph. It could really read love sincere or this is sincere love. You see, to, to be sincere is not to be hypocritical. 
To be sincere is not to be hypocritical. The image being communicated is don't merely just play a role, right? Apostle Paul is saying don't just play, don't just play a role. If you're going to love, you have to love in a sincere way. Don't just play a role like an actor in a play or a movie, right? How many times have you seen maybe your favorite actor, when they interview them, they always say, well, yeah, when I got the part, when I read it and I knew that I got the part, I had to really focus into getting into character, right? I have to focus into getting into character. Why? Because the role in which they are playing is not really who they are. The role in which they are playing, they're they're putting on something that they're going to present, but in reality, it is not truly who they are. Although some actors say, I was so good in this role because it fits me well. See, sincere love isn't fake. Isn't something that you just say with your words. Sincere love isn't a character. It it, it isn't temporary. Sincere love is According to what the Apostle Paul says, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as people who say we are followers of Jesus Christ, children, sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, we need to understand that sincere, people that are sincere, specifically sincere in love, it needs to be who it is that we are. It's got to be who we are. The very next verse, verse 10, says, be devoted to one another in love, honor Another above who? Yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. What kind of love? Sincere love, right? Honor one another above yourselves. What he's saying is be devoted to one another. Be passionate. Be loyal. Be invested. See, when you are invested in something, it is totally different than somebody who's just watching from the outside. When you're invested means you've got skin in the game. When you're invested means, man, I've I've put some time. I've put some energy in this. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that's the way we need to be with people, specifically in the area of, of loving, sincere, and having and displaying this hospitality as Christ followers. We've got to act like we are invested in it. And you become invested in it when you start to really spend time with one another, spend time, most importantly, with God. The word for love in verse 10 is a, is a brotherly love or a, a family love. This is talking about right here, the church. It's talking about the church family. In fact, the, the love word there is, is it's, it's family language. It's getting into, see, because... When we get into just character, remember, character is just we're acting, right? We're acting like we have love. I mean, how many times do sometimes we say, man, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Well, are you an actor or is it sincere? Because when we get into character, then a character, we see church as a place where faith stuff happens. And I receive, you know, some faith type of content. It's a group of faith acquaintances, but sincere love church is is, is deeply devoted to seeing the church as as family, as a faith family. You know, that's why I kind of have turned some of the lingo, man, church family, church family. 
How's the church family doing? You start really kind of changing the language, and sometimes your heart starts looking at it a little bit different. Sincere love is deeply devoted to seeing the church as a faith family more than just people that I run into periodically when I see every Sunday or more than just people that I see if, I, if I'm in a life group or someone that, 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 that I just see now and then. No, it's man, your family. You guys are family. In verse 13, it says this. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Share with the people who are in need. Practice hospitality. He aimed this paragraph about having sincere love, about having a devotion to the church family and showing sincere love to one another. Paul goes on ahead and he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Meaning, whatever hospitality means, we can be certain from just this paragraph that hospitality is an aspect of sincere love. And that's our first point if you're taking notes today, is hospitality is an aspect of sincere love. Part of an authentic following of Jesus, church, it includes hospitality. Authentic love that is lived out. To follow Jesus, it includes hospitality. The first phrase is straightforward here. Now, when people in church fam have a need, what does Paul say? Help them. Help them. When you know someone in your church family that has a need, help them. That assumes, of course, that people are aware of the need. So also, I, I know, and I'm not going to get into them, but I know many times here, specifically in this church family, there, has, there have been needs. People have lost jobs. People have been hurt, injured, sick, whatever the case is. And I have been able to be blessed enough to see the church family kind of group together and help support. Rather, if it's with a love offering or, 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 or a meal train, whatever the case is. And that's, that, that, that's what sincere love and hospitality, that's a great example of that. And some maybe we were going through some stuff, but we didn't know. We need to know. So that we can help out. The second phrase here in that verse that, that, that Paul says, which we need, is considered the whole section. It helps us understand hospitality. But the idea of hospitality talked about here is to family love the stranger. Remember, we're talking about not just regular love. I mean, we're talking about family love, right? Paul is also saying family love the stranger, meaning show the stranger that family love. Show the foreigner that family type of love. Show family love to one that is not in the family is a simple way to do that. As a church, I, show, I would hope that we can show that hospitality. We have a great opportunity to show the hospitality every Sunday here. You know, we, we try our best. We have some coffee. Today we had some donuts. People are coming in. We're talking. We're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're sharing a little bit. We're trying to show, hey, there's, there's some hospitality. This is not just a cold place that you just walk in, sit down, read some songs, hear a word, and then leave. No, we want this to be a place where, man, you walk in and you feel like it is home. You feel like, man, I felt so comfortable. I did not feel strange because it is difficult specifically as a guest, to walk in. I remember when I walked into the doors of this church about nine years ago, not knowing what to expect, 
But I walked in and I felt, I felt loved instantly. I felt like, man, like people cared. They wanted to know who I was. They wanted to know what my name was. There was coffee. There was all kinds of things. And it, it made it so much easier to receive the continuance of the service. And a lot easier for me to invite my wife and someone else to come the very next Sunday. Hospitality. Show the stranger that family type of love. I don't want to be a church that we are all giggly and wiggly with each other, that we know each other. And when the guest comes in, when the stranger comes in, when the foreigner comes in, we're like. And he walks in, does what he does, service leaves, finishes, they leave without interaction. See, as true disciples of Jesus Christ who have sincere love, this hospitality thing that I'm talking about ought to be second nature. So it's not just with who we know, but it's about the foreigner. It's about the stranger, showing the stranger that family type of love. This devotion that you have for your faith, brothers and sisters, listen, church, don't hoard it for yourself. I know some of you guys love, man, each other. You guys have built relationships with one another here, in, not just in this church building, but just with the, in the family of Jesus Christ. Don't hoard that good stuff with each other. Share it. Share it. You're going to have a, a function. You're going to have people over to your house, some of the church family. Man, think who is a part of the church family that I don't really have a relationship with. And, man, please invite them. Please invite them. Share your family love with those who are not in the family. Amen? Christine Paul, she explains this. She says, hospitality meant, talking about what it meant. Hospitality in the, in the Bible meant extending to strangers, listen to this, a quality of kindness usually reserved for friends and family. Hospitality meant extending to strangers a quality of kindness usually reserved for friends and family. I'm going to give you a good picture of what this looks like. You're at a party, you're at a function, you're here at the church, whatever the case is, and you're talking amongst your friends, people that are in the family, and all of a sudden somebody walks in that is not a part of the family, a part of the normal crew, and you tell your crew, listen, all right, I'll be right back, and now you spend the rest of your time with that other person. Because guess what? You're cool with everybody already. You're gonna be, they're going to be cool with you tomorrow as well. But you have maybe just one chance, one opportunity to go and show that sincere love type of hospitality to someone else that maybe walks into an environment that they don't know anyone. And you sit down with them. I, I remember that uh, here at, at New Life, we used to call, uh, uh, Anthony, what was that called Saturdays? Connections. We used to have Connections Potluck when I first started coming to this church. And so once a month, they would have a Saturday morning, they'd go, or not, uh, yeah, Saturday evening. Uh, anyone that was kind of new, they'd invite some of the leaders. So we've, we've kind of done that here before on a, su a Sunday also. But they'd invite really new people to come and just come to this potluck, get to learn a little about bit about New Life, play some games, and just get to talk. And I remember my wife, myself, my kids came in. And, again, it was a little nerve-wracking. You don't really know anybody. And so we sat down at the table, and I just remember Anthony, who was leading that, he leaves his table with everyone that they, they knew, and he comes and he sits with us. His wife comes and sits with us, 
And for the remainder of that time, we were just talking and having conversation. It just felt, we left feeling good. Can you imagine if it was just us in that table the whole time and then we eventually got up and left? I can't tell you if we'd ever, if we would have came back. But sometimes it's okay. Your friends are your friends. They're going to be your friends. Go to someone that you don't know. And sometimes I get it because it's difficult for you too. Well, I'm not that, I'm not that, you know, it's hard for me. But just do it. Just do it. Sometimes put that, put, put that, that kindness that you usually reserve for your friends and family, extend that to strangers as well. Amen? You guys get it? Dr. Gibbs, he says this, hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of guest. The primary impulse of hospitality is to create a safe and welcoming place where a stranger can be converted into a friend. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, where the strange, we, where, where we can create an atmosphere where it is so easy that our goal is that every single stranger that walks in through those doors, we've, at, we've allowed them the opportunity to become a friend. Amen? Number two, the, two, the second point I want to hit today is hospitality creates deep spiritual connections. Hospitality creates deep spiritual connections. The reality, church, is that we need to have the same attitude that Jesus did, right? What, what are we, when we say we're Christians, what are we saying? We're followers of Jesus Christ. When we're saying, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, what does that mean? I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to have the same attitude that the person in which you are following did. In the Bible, we see great examples of Jesus displaying hospitality. Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 29 through 32, if you're taking notes. Luke, chapter 5, verse 29 through 32, it says this. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. That's a big deal, because... You know, these Jews really weren't so crazy about the tax collectors because the tax collectors had, I mean, come on, IRS. I mean, just look at your check, you know, how much gets taken out. You, they're not the nicest people in your, you know, that, that maybe, maybe not the ones you want to become friends with. But remember, we're talking about sincere love hospitality. But, but, but the problem is that these people, were, a lot of them were known, just like everything, right, just like in every profession, some of them were known to be abusive, to, to go to maybe the, the poor Jews who were really working hard for the little that they had, and they would take extra from them. They would charge them extra taxes, and this is why the, 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 the tax collectors really had a bad rep whenever you're reading, you know, here in the Bible. But here, there's this great banquet for Jesus. There's a large crowd of tax collectors and others. Uh, we're eating with them. And then in verse 30, it says this. But the Pharisees and the teachers of law, who belong to their sect, complained to his disciples, Jesus' disciples. And they, this is what they tell Jesus. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Or, you know, these are the religious people, the people who are studying the law. They're, they're looking at this, and they're telling Jesus' disciples, man, why 
Why are you in this house? Why are you in this banquet eating? Why is it that Jesus, being who he says that he is, why is he eating with them? The scum of, of, of the world. Why is he eating with them? Verse 31, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, that's a great example. Jesus is saying, man, I'm going to spend time with the people who need it. I'm going to spend time with people who need to hear the good news. I'm going to spend time with people that I know that really are living lives that are, are, are not in the right direction. People whose lives, that maybe they're living in sin. I want to spend time with them because if I spend time with them, how else, if I don't spend time with them, how else are they going to hear the good news? How else are they going to hear that maybe the way they're living their life is not the way they ought to be living it? If I'm not spending time with the sinners, how is it that the life of, of Jesus Christ is, is to reflect to them? Jesus was saying, man, if a group of people got it all together, I don't need to spend my time with them because they've got it all together. I need to go spend time with people who don't. That's a great example of hospitality. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, 36. Jesus says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. That's a good one. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I hope that each and every single one of you guys here at one point have gone somewhere, a church, a home, whatever the case is, and when you walked into that home, you felt like you were just right in your own home. I hope that, that, that you, have, you have been extended that amount of love. Because I also know that maybe some of you guys have been to places where you're like, man, I know I am not welcome. And what's the first thing you think? I'm never stepping foot in here again. Jesus, church, he ate with people. He welcomed people so that they wouldn't be strangers anymore. Where others rejected the idea of connecting with such people. Jesus creating opportunities to treat them like family, which welcomes them to eventually become family. There's this, um, this news that we just heard uh, in our church, Number New Life, we're, we're a church all over the city for the good of the city. We have a, a lady uh, her name is Isabel, and she's kind of our financial top person in, in our uh, New Life Central Services, which is like our HR. Um, and I, I read the story that someone, one of the pastors shared. She attends uh, our New Life in, in Blue Island. Uh, but he, there is this family, uh, I can't remember from where, from a land, I don't know if it's Columbia or something like that. This family is about, I don't know if it's three or four of them, uh, strangers. She didn't know them, but she knew that they had a need. And so she, I don't know if it was in her house or her parents' house, they welcomed them in, they treated them as family, they fed them, all this type of stuff. And then just last Sunday, that family, they invited to church, they walk into the church, and all of them give their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. That doesn't happen if there's no sincere love. That doesn't happen if there's no hospitality. I'm not telling each and every one of you guys open the doors and talk to people in. But you, you get the point. You get the point. I remember my daughter, when uh, we were serving at another church, and she was young, and she was always seeing my wife and I were doing Bible studies at the church, you know, at Southern 
and then I guess she caught that fever. So she one day uh, I was homeschooling her for a year. She's young. She at this point she's in second grade, and she gets this big whiteboard and she's writing something on it. And I'm, I'm just like, keep quiet. Let me leave her alone, right? And then all of a sudden I I go to the kitchen. I hear the door open, the front door. I'm like, Emily. So I walk up to the front. She's outside. She's walking back in. I said, what did you do? Oh, I put a sign in the front. I said, what does the sign say? Uh, Bible study today, 7 o'clock. Ring the doorbell. <laughs> I mean, all right, Emily, let, uh, you know, that goes to another conversation, you know. But, man, there's in, in the young person's heart, that's what the Bible says, man, as you get into heaven, man, you got to have a heart like a child, right? I mean. But that hospitality there, like, come on in and hear the word of Jesus Christ. You see, if hospitality creates a safe and welcoming place where strangers can be converted into friends, then the reality is, church, that we need to intentionally make sure that we are creating those spaces. So think about it. What spaces are you creating? Are you creating an atmosphere like that in your home, in your church, in your life? God, allow me to create a space where somebody can come in and they can feel your love because of the hospitality that we are showing them. Amen? And we need to create those spaces for the, fir- for the third and final point that I have today, and that is that hospitality is where grace is shared and experienced. Hospitality is where grace is shared and experienced in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 verse 33 you heard me read this in the beginning but I'm going to just dive into this very quickly it says this when a foreigner everybody say a foreigner resides among you in your land whose land your land do not mistreat them Verse 34 says, the foreigner residing among you must be, everybody say must be, treated as your native born. That means they need to be treated like they weren't a foreigner. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, God was speaking to to them like, hey, don't forget that you guys were foreigners too. And I, I, I bring you here. You're now, this is your land. So when someone else comes in, make sure that you treat them well because you were once in their country. The reality is, let's just talk about the context of church family. You're in this church family. You have friends. You have people that you do life with, right? Well, you, you weren't always in that group. You didn't always know each other. You didn't always, you know, were able to talk to each other, hang out with each other. You were once that, you were once that person that walked into this church for the very first time. Remember, right? Treat the stranger as a native. Treat the stranger like family, in other words, is what he's saying. Why treat them this way? Well, Moses is saying to Israel, because you know what it was like to be a stranger in Egypt. You want them to experience God in the way that you know him, right? As God has showed you love and care, show it to others. It's like God said to Abraham in in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, what does he say? He says, I chose you to be a blessing to others. Listen, if you are here today and you are a part of the family of God, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, guess what? God has chosen you. 
to be a blessing to others. Who has God chosen? Say me. Who has God chosen? Me. You and I, God has chosen to be a blessing to others. Don't wait for someone else to bless you. But he's chosen you. Sometimes you're praying. You ask God, God, how can I be a, a, a blessing to someone today? When you wake up in your, in your meditation, during your time of meditation and prayer, God, how can I be a blessing to someone? I'm not telling you that you got to go to the bank, take everything out, have a water cash. Because you know, people sometimes think blessing, you automatically think dollar signs. No, how can I be a blessing to someone? Put someone in my heart. Bring someone across me. How can I be a blessing to them? Maybe it's an encouraging message, an encouraging phone call. Maybe it's, hey, let's go out for coffee, and we'll get to that later on. I chose you to be a blessing to others. Can you make sure that when you leave today that you don't forget that? Please, if you're taking notes, write it down. God chose me to be a blessing to others. Jesus choosing us to share him with others. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors of Jesus. We are his disciples. Jesus says, go out to all nations. Make, the, make disciples of them. Teach them to obey the commands. Teach them to, to, to follow what it is that I taught you. Whose job is that? Ours. Sometimes you're a blessing to someone not because you've given them some monetary help or, 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 or invited them out for anything. Sometimes you're just a blessing to them because, man, you're the one that's constantly feeding into them the love of Jesus Christ. Specifically for us that have families, and we all have families that don't follow Christ, Fam families that are living in darkness. Just hang around with them. You don't got to go and be the preacher and, have, you know, but hang around with them and just be their light. Be the love. You're going to invite someone over, man, serve them hand and foot. We must have this mindset. As God cared for me when I was a stranger, I need to care for the saints. Let them experience grace and love through me. That's beautiful. That people can experience the grace and love of Jesus Christ through you. Man, that's a superpower. That really is a superpower. Gerald Heisman, he explains that there are two aspects of Jesus' love for us. And their order is very important, he says. He says, the Christian life begins with the accepting love of Jesus and then continues with the perfecting love of Jesus. So first, he accepts us. Secondly, he perfects us. It's common to put accepting and perfecting love in the wrong order, though, many times. Because sometimes... That's us. Sometimes we want people to be perfect before we can accept them. Sometimes, hey, I'm going to accept them into my family. I'm going to accept them into this. I'm going to show them this family love only when they get their act together, only when they are perfect. And, man, if that's the truth, you would not have been accepted to the family of Jesus Christ because I'm pretty sure we are still working on ourselves. Thank God that we have a God who meets us where we're at. But don't forget, he's not the same where you're at. He meets you where you're at so he can perfect you and place you where he's designed you to be. 
you see genuine love, authentic love seen in action amongst people, it's supposed to go like this. Someone in the church, let's, let's put it this way. Because of Jesus, I'm going to love you and share life with you because we are family. Someone out of the church, this is the way we need to be. Because of Jesus, I'm going to love you. I'm going to share my life with you so that possibly you can become family. See that? But what typically happens today, sadly, unfortunately, is for someone in the church, we say, well, because we don't agree on this, I'm going to demote you. And instead of family, now you're a stranger. Unfortunately, what happens today with people that are outside of the church, the way we look at them sometimes is, well, because you don't follow my faith teachings, I'm going to keep you at a distance until you clean yourself up. And the reality is, man, we need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to go to God with a repentant heart when we see the second set of things that I just mentioned happen. Because if you can't hang or worship with someone because they have a different opinion than you on whatever cultural issues or personal convictions or because they vote different than you, then that is a sign of spiritual immaturity. That's what that is. As your pastor, I have to tell you, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And at best, possibly, it could even be considered idolatry. We need to be able to talk with one another first. We need to be able to try to understand one another and where others are coming from. We need to remind one another about the love of Jesus and how that is a part of our lives and our thinking process, all the while embracing the messy tensions of our differences, histories, and struggles. I know it can be difficult. It's hard when two heads are thinking differently, but Jesus says, man, be slow to anger. Can you sometimes, can we, can we be good listeners instead of people that are, you know, the first people are talking to us and right away we want to give them an answer or response. Stop talking sometimes and just listen. Listen, have an open mind, but don't forget the Bible. When we make the places, church, to connect with people, with strangers, then they can become friends and family. God's grace is extended, and then his love is, his love is shown. That's, that's just a beautiful picture of how it all comes together. When we're willing to invite people into our homes to extend hospitality to them, then what is really happening is we are mimicking God's heart for all people. And I, I, I want to mimic you know, some of my prayers to God is, God, let me love people the way you love them. Because if I'm doing it with my own flesh, boy, oh boy, it'd be a short list. But that's, that's my flesh. But I, I'm supposed to have a new, a new, I'm a new creation. I'm not supposed to think the way the world thinks. So God, help me love people the way you love them. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. To bring you safely home to God is what 1 Peter says. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. He leaves out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You see, we, we need to be practicing hospitality. It is a spiritual discipline, church, that doesn't only help our individual relationship with God, 
but it also helps the community thrive that we are a part of. Does that make sense? So here's our conclusion today. What's our challenge? What's our challenge? You've heard me say it already. Hospitality. You don't know? You haven't been paying attention. Maybe we got to talk about food again. Our challenge is to go right now and get the biggest piece of steak. No, I'm just kidding. Our challenge this week is, is more direct. It's, it's to invite someone either to your house, to your apartment for a meal. Or to, I don't know about my house, Pastor, it's a mess. Okay, take them out to, invite them out to a restaurant. Or if they like to clean, maybe you could tell them, help them clean. And, 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 and if you invite them, pay for them. Pay for them. Just, just maybe this time. Show hospitality, man. Hey. And in a little bit, I'm going to, when we stand, actually just stand up right now. And just close your eyes as you're listening to, to, to this challenge. I mean, what I want you to do is ask. Pray, pray, pray right now, right there with your eyes closed. Maybe he's putting someone in your heart, in your mind right now, or a family or something like that. But just pray, God, would you place someone in my heart, family in my heart, somebody, somebody, someone I haven't seen in a while. Can you place them in my heart? And maybe make that step. Be the initiator. Invite someone over to your home. Invite someone over for a cup of coffee. Invite someone over maybe after church to lunch. But also go beyond that. Invite an unbeliever over for dinner. Go out for coffee with someone that you don't know well. You know, we're talking about that stranger, right? Invite someone that you don't know well and and pay for their coffee and sit down. And no agenda, just, hey, you know, let's just chat. Let's, Let's Let's get to meet each other. It's hard. It can be difficult, especially if you're a shy person. But pray, Lord, give me the strength. Because the reality is this is a discipline that as Christ followers, we need to be good at. We need to be good at this. And if we're talking about being true disciples of Jesus Christ, then this is something that we just need to practice. And we need to put in there. If that's not your heart, God, please help me become a hospitable person. Help me become someone that is willingly willing to open up the doors of their home for people to come over or to invite out to eat. And just display. Display that you, you, you're you really glad that they accepted your invitation. And just love up on them. Love up on them. So my challenge to you is too, is do that with someone that maybe you do know that's it, that is a part of your family. And then the next step will be invite someone that maybe isn't a part of your family, your faith family, whatever the case is. If you're going to have a function, it's a great time, remember, to invite someone that maybe is not typically in that in that table sharing a meal with you, but you know that, hey, they are, they, they are people that are part of our family or people that are part of our church or even someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Man, what better, what better way to show the love of Jesus, then if you're with a bunch of other brothers and sisters having a meal at your house, watching a game, inviting someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, so they can see, so they can see what, what a get-together of people who love Jesus Christ looks like. 
that is not just about opening up your Bible and keeping the lunch up and have fun, but in a positive, uplifting way. Amen? Right there, just I want to be, I want to dismiss as you're thinking and you're praying through that, your action step is to make whoever they are, reach out to them today, tomorrow. But listen, do it quickly. Because if you, in your mind, if you say, this is the person I'm thinking of, and you wait, you wait, you wait, eventually, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to go away, and then you're not going to reach out anymore. My challenge to you, if someone's in your mind right now, send them a message today. Send them a message tomorrow. Set it up. I learned something long ago. Nothing gets happened if you don't put a date on it. You have to put a date on it. Oh, I would love to meet with you for coffee. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. We should get together one day. And then the text message is sent. No. And they reach back to you and say, okay, how's uh, Monday the 16th, 7 o'clock? Do it. Be the initiator. Amen? Jason, why don't you just dismiss us today with a couple of verses there. Church, just worship God. If you've got your lyrics, you can read them. If you want to come to the altar, you want to sit, bow, you know, bow down before the Lord, just worship God right now, this moment before we dismiss. Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. So shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls. Of all my religion, your way is better. Your way is better, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you.
Lord, we pray and we, we thank you, Father God, for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for, though once we were strangers, you've invited us into your family. Although once, Father God, we were foreigners, God. Now, Father God, Lord, we are at home. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a church, that we would be a people that is constantly, constantly remembering what you've done for us and are willing to do that for one another. God, I pray, Father, right now, Lord, that you would just continue to be with your church. Watch over us. Protect us, God. I pray, Lord, that this word that has been uh, received today, Lord, that we would have received it in our hearts. Lord, that it's not just what we listen to today, God, but what is it that we are going to do this week, God? Father, we are going to show hospitality, Father God. Thank you for the people that you have placed in our hearts and in our minds, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the boldness to reach out, God. Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that there, that there would be some fruitful conversations, fruitful meetings, some relationships, Lord, that because of this step of action, Father God, Lord, would grow into, Father God, long, long rela relationships, my God. I pray, Lord, as we get ready to take on whatever the rest of the day, whatever the rest of the week looks like for us, God, that you would remind us, God, constantly who we are, Lord, that we are, that we've been called to be the, the light of this world, God. We've been called to be the salt of this earth, Lord, that you called us not to blend in, Lord, but you've called us to stand out, God, and I pray that we would be able to do that. And this is just another week, another challenge that we get to show that, Father God, that we get to show and display Father God, who you are in this world through us, because you chose us to bless others. So as we dismiss with this blessing, this blessing that we find in the Old Testament, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord shine his face upon you all, may the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' holy, mighty name, the church of God says, amen. Amen and amen. Church, God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week for challenge number five.